Hello and welcome to the Empathy Podcast. My name's Leanne Butterworth. I'm an empathy educator, TEDx speaker, and founder of the social enterprise Empathy First, an all-round healthy empathy enthusiast. Today, we are talking about empathy and menopause, or more specifically, the menopause transition to help us better understand and support those going through menopause at home, at work, and out in the community. We'll explore what is menopause, why is empathy and understanding so important at this time, and how do we do it? Joining me today is the effervescent Sonia Lovell. Sonia is a speaker, podcaster, and personal trainer. She's also a breast cancer survivor who experienced the chaos of an induced menopause when she was only 47. Sonia leans heavily into her lived experience of being unsupported, unprepared, and seriously undereducated through her own menopause to support and educate women navigating their midlife and menopausal transition. As a speaker, Sonia is an accomplished voice in normalizing the conversation around menopause in the workplace and through her own story empowers leadership and resilience. I'm so glad you're joining me today for the Empathy Podcast. Welcome, Sonia. I'm so excited to have you on the show. Oh, thank you. I'm excited to be here. So, as we know, today we're talking all about menopause, and it's not a conversation that people have. Let's break it down, but why you, my lovely, who are you? Tell me a bit about yourself and why you're the person I'm talking to about this. Oh, very good questions. So, I'm a fellow podcaster, and I am a personal trainer, and I am a fierce advocate for talking as loudly as possible to as many people as possible about perimenopause and menopause. So my personal experience was I was diagnosed with breast cancer when I was 47. And that was six years ago now, almost actually very close to my anniversary. And as a result, I went into what they call medically induced menopause. And I remember being told by my oncologist that, you know, due to the closeness I was to in age to my natural menopause, it would be likely that I'd go into my induced menopause. And I remember going, oh, okay, cool. (laughs) And then it hit me like a semi-trailer and ran back over me and ran over me again and went back over me a few times. It was horrendous. And when I was doing all my healing afterwards, my physical healing, my emotional healing, my spiritual healing, literally every cell in my body needed to heal. I started having conversations with clients in my gym and also friends and realized that there were women experiencing natural, you know, they were in perimenopause, most of them, and or they were transitioning into their menopause. And they knew just as little as I did. They were feeling just as unsupported, just as uneducated, and just as confused. And it kind of set me off on a path of going, well, I'm going to find out as much as I can about this so that I can help as many women as possible. So that because we don't have to be unsupported and we we don't have to go into this blind. There is a lot of support out there. It's just finding it. Yeah. So we're going to use a few terms today. So I might get you to help us out to start with. So I'm 45. This is all going to be new to me. But let's go with some terms first. Menopause, perimenopause, menopause transition. 
How can you help? So why don't we start with perimenopause because that's where it all starts for women. So perimenopause is the five to 10 year period leading up to your menopause. And for most women that can start, well, it will start in your 40s. And for some women, it can actually start as young as 35. So from my perception, Every single woman, as she turns 40, should be educated around what perimenopause is, what to expect, and what they can do to get support for it. So that's what perimenopause is. And it's the period of time where your hormones actually start fluctuating. So you enter this literal roller coaster period of your estrogen, your progesterone, and your testosterone, basically playing tag team of I'm going to be high today and you're going to be low and then we'll swap by lunchtime. And it's all a little bit crazy. And as I said, that can go for the five to 10 years leading up to your actual menopause. So menopause is quite misunderstood because menopause is literally one day in the calendar that marks the date that is 12 months past your last period. So the last time that you had an actual bleed and it needs to be 12 exact months before you are deemed to be in menopause. And then from those days onwards, you become postmenopausal. So it's really interesting that people talk about menopause a lot. People go, you know, I'm going through menopause, I'm in menopause. But in actual scientific definition, menopause is one day in the calendar. And menopausal transition is the, pretty much the same as perimenopause. It just means that your body is transitioning th- into being postmenopausal. Right. So then menopause transition, when we talk about that, is that sort of that at the end of the perimenopause? No, it's you can use perimenopause and menopause transition interchangeably, yeah. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So apart from the terminology, what are some of the misperceptions out there about menopause and perimenopause? Probably the biggest one is that hot flushes are the only symptom that you will experience <laughs> going through menopause, which is what people say, that is a huge misconception. There are actually 35 defined symptoms of perimenopause. Some people will tell you that there are as many as 66, but 35 is the number that you can get most people to agree on. And skipped periods, that's the other thing that people believe that defines you as being menopausal. So one of the things that I'm really, really adamant about educating women on is if you skip a period and then maybe you skip it for three or four months, that doesn't mean that you are in menopause and you can stop using contraception and that you're on the other side because you could get a period any time up until your 12 months. And there are a lot of women that will tell you that they have fallen pregnant with a meno baby in that perimenopausal time because they go, oh, I haven't had my period for six months. Great. I'm in menopause. And then boom, they're either pregnant or they get a sudden, very heavy often period that comes and they're like, oh, hell, what the hell? Yeah. A friend was telling me recently, she was, I think, eight months at the eight month mark. But then her 11-year-old got her period and hers came back. Mm, yes. Oh, there's the sinking of cycles as well. Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but 11 also sounds really young to be getting a period. Oh, no, 12. 12, 12, 12. 12. 
Either way, yeah. Okay, so there's a little bit of education out there that has to happen. Why is this such an important topic to be talking about? Why do we need to have this education? Why are we talking today? Oh, that's a two-pronged question. So I'll answer with the the least historical, medically kind of complicated answer. So because women need to know is the simple answer, because for reasons that I will go into in a second, because that's the second part of the answer, women haven't spoken about their menopause, their menopausal experience. Perimenopause is a term that many women are not familiar with and their mothers certainly never talked about it. And there is very, or there has been today, the tide is turning, very little conversation around what to expect, when to expect it, and how to manage the symptoms when you experience them. And this goes right down to our GPs. There's a globally recognized education gap, which means many women go and talk to their GPs and a GP will go, oh no, you're far too young for menopause, or you're just tired, honey. It's just, it's age. It is, you know, you're aging, you just have to accept it. And that's not a good enough answer because as I mentioned before, there's like over 35 symptoms that you could experience. And some of those can be as extreme as migraines, Menopausal depression is a significant symptom that's not talked about enough, but is scientifically proven. So anxiety is also wrapped up in that. There is also significant changes to your skin and vaginal changes become a really big issue for a lot of women as well that they just don't know how to manage. But there's also other things like heart palpitations. And there are things that women start experiencing they can't put their finger on why things have changed. They're not too sure who to go and speak to. They perhaps get fobbed off by a GP that's not as educated as they could be, or is, let's be honest, they're just so time poor and managing multiple patients. They don't have the time to invest in playing detective for a woman, which is what we actually need. So that's why we need to be having these conversations. That's, you know, and educating women on how they can support themselves or how they can support other women in their lives if they are experiencing these changes. So the second part of the answer to that, which I talked about, is back in the 80s, there was a study that was done that was called the Women's Health Initiative. So prior to that, HRT, which is what it was called then, was widely prescribed Many, many women were taking it very successfully and getting great quality of life as a result. There was a whole bunch of research done, very poorly done, very poorly communicated the results of that in a, they called a halt to the study because they found what they believed at the time were direct links to breast cancer. So they gave this huge public, and they being this um, Women's Health Initiative was run out of the States, gave this very public press conference and basically put the fear of God into every woman in the world and every GP in the world. And the study was shut down and doctors and endocrinologists literally stopped prescribing HRT overnight and women that had been taking it successfully stopped taking it. About... 10 or 12 years ago, that study was completely debunked and the correct findings were released and the reason behind how badly it had been managed and communicated all came out very publicly. But unfortunately, what has happened is this huge gap of our doctors and our endocrinologists catching up with being educated on how to safely prescribe what we now call 
MHT, which is menopausal hormone therapy. So it got a whole rebrand. It got a whole new name. There are lots of ways that it can now be administered and dosed correctly to meet your individual needs. But yeah, we've still got a massive hangover from those findings of the Women's Health Initiative. And the fact that it was debunked didn't get anywhere near as much publicity as the initial findings. So that's another reason why we need to be talking about this as widely and loudly as we can. Yeah. What are the risks if we don't? That's a question that I'm probably not the best person to answer. I would recommend that that's a question that's answered by a doctor. And what I do also want to kind of say alongside that is HRT, MHT is not a holy grail. It is not something that every woman can actually take. So not everyone is eligible for MHT. Myself being a cancer patient and my cancer being hormone positive means that I'm I can't take it. If you also have women that are hormone sensitive, they also can't take it. So yeah, it's not something that is right for everyone, but it is something that can make a big difference for a lot of women. Yeah. So I guess my question was more, what's the risk if we don't talk about this? What's the risk if we don't get educated? What's the risk if we just go, man, that's just old women stuff? Yeah. Okay, cool. Yes. Sorry. And sorry if I misunderstood your question initially. So Look, I can give you extreme examples of the risks of not talking about it and not identifying what is going on for women. I'm very familiar with scenarios where women have taken their own lives as a result of undiagnosed menopausal depression. That is probably the worst case scenario that we're talking about. Then there's also just quality of life. It's, you know, can guarantee that you can have. So, from a statistic point of view, 100% of anybody born with the female anatomy will go through menopause. 20% of those women or people born with the female anatomy will sail through. Not won't even be a blip on their radar. They'll literally just stop having a period, never think about it again and find it really hard to empathize with women that struggle. But 80%, obviously what's left, will struggle with three to four at least of those symptoms that, you know, there's 35 plus and some women will have a whole lot more. So what what is happening is from that 80% of the population, women are starting to recognize that things are changing for them. So it might be their cognitive function. They might start, their memory kind of goes, they might lose words, they can't focus the same way that they used to. Then maybe there was someone at work that was an amazing multitasker, could learn new technology quickly and then teach it out to other people. And all of a sudden, their ability to do that just kind of shifts and they cannot understand why. Maybe they start gaining some weight um, in different places or they carry weight in places on their body where they haven't carried it before. Hot flushes become a problem. Night sweats can also be really significant. Sleep changes, anxiety can increase. We become much more prone to stress when we're in our perimenopausal and menopausal years. Our emotions literally go on that roller coaster ride with our hormones. So you can be as nice as pie with your family in the morning, send everyone off to have a lovely day. And by the time they come home at the end of the day, you are the nastiest piece of work they have ever come across. And you weren't really in control of why that flip happened. And so that becomes really confusing and really frustrating. And Women, when they're not educated about perimenopause, don't join the dots. They don't know to join the dots. You know, we don't know what we don't know. And when you can turn the light 
on for someone and say, shine a light on like you're experiencing this and this is what's actually happening in your body right now and this is why you're feeling this way, all of a sudden they can own what's going on. They have an explanation for what's going on, but they can also start seeking out lifestyle changes, you know, hormone therapy, if that's something they're open to and eligible for, that can just make a huge difference to their ability to do their job, to keep their family healthy and happy, to keep themselves healthy and happy. And, you know, it's just so incredibly important. Yeah. So by the sound of it, there's this education piece, not only for the women and what's going on with my body and how do I manage it and how do I accept it and embrace it and not fight it and feel shame and guilt and confusion and all those sorts of things. So there's that piece of the puzzle. There's probably that education, understanding, empathy from our partners, our families, those who are very close to us who are going, wow, mummy's just not herself today. And instead of saying, well, mummy has a problem, it's, oh, that's what's going on or how do we understand and support and accept. And then I guess the third piece and the, the other biggest piece of our lives is our work. Because by the sound of it, if we've got those 35 to 66 symptoms that include losing words and anxiety and mood swings, how do we then communicate that and have a supportive environment at work so that we can still contribute and flourish and not go, oh, you're just too hard and opt out or be opted out? Yeah. And both of those things happen, yeah, on a regular basis. And that's a really, really important part of the puzzle that is just starting to become more topical. It's starting to become more spoken about publicly. We're starting to advocate for changes in the workplace to support these women. You know, I'm speaking on a panel in a couple of weeks at a big corporate summit. And the topic that we'll be talking about is discussing taboo topics in the workplace and how, you know, so that includes endometriitis, it includes menopause, it includes pregnancy and periods and, you know, all the things that for women have been taboo topics for so long. And it's not an easy issue to address when you're talking about the really big corporations. You know, they need to change policy and to change policy, they need research. And the research is only just being done now. So there's a couple of really big global research pieces underway all around the impacts of perimenopause and menopause on women at work and what support they need in the workplace to not opt out or be opted out. And until we get the findings of that research and the corporates can look at it and go, okay, well, based off that, we can now set these policies in place. You know, those big changes aren't going to happen overnight. But what we can do is we can at least start lifting up the rug that all of this has been swept under for way too long, start having the conversations, start learning the terminology, start understanding that women in their 40s and 50s will experience perimenopause and menopause. And when they do, they need support and they need empathy. Yeah. Because why? What are the benefits then? I mean, if we look at, we've got people in the workplace who, like we said before, have all this stuff going on. Why is it worth policy change? Why is it worth the effort and the money and the time and the resource that it takes to invest in women in their 40s and 50s? Because it sounds hard. And as we know, people often don't choose the hard option. Why is this worth the effort? 
Oof, that's such a good question. Look, there's some really fascinating data around one. The first one that comes to mind is that women are already behind the eight ball when it comes to their superannuation contributions compared to men over their lifetime of their their earning capacity. So often women will lose super in the childbearing years if they choose to stay home or they pull back from full-time to part-time. I think, isn't it, the age now for retirement in Australia is 67. So if you're pulling a woman out of the workforce when she's in, you know, 50, there's another 17 years worth of super contributions that she is not going to achieve. So that's, you know, a very statistic-driven financial answer to the question. The other thing is that women are literally just hitting their prime in their 40s and their 50s and the value that they can add to the workplace and the workforce when they are allowed the time and space and understanding that they need to navigate through these years, why would you want to lose that? (laughs) You know, I just don't, you know, I look at the, if you go and do it a little bit of a deep dive into Indigenous cultures and how menopause has been managed and, you know, in different cultures, one of the things that shines through to me is many cultures, the women post-menopause, so the average age of menopause in Australia is about 51, so women post-menopause actually are revered and held up as the leaders of their community. These are the women that are leading the communities that people go to for wisdom and leadership. And we, as women, have so much to offer community and business from 50 onwards that is such a loss to everyone if they're being opted out or opting out of their careers at that point. Yeah. And it sounds like we come back to that ageism and discrimination and this misunderstanding of women and ageing, these big systemic issues that we're up against. Particularly here in Australia, ageism in Australia is horrendous. And I was at an event about a week ago and Professor John Eden was speaking and and John is the leading endocrinologist and head of the Royal Women's Hospital here in Sydney. And he's, you know, national expert in his field. He's in his, I'm going to take a guess, but he's well into his 60s. He's past retirement age. And, you know, he said one of the reasons that actually stops him from retiring is that he is just so embarrassed by the ageism in Australia and that he knows that there are just so many women that he can help and keep them in the workforce and make keep their, their quality of life high in their ageing years when the natural go-to in Australia is to kind of push you inside and say, well, you're past your use by date now. We have no we have no need for you. Yeah, absolutely. And by the sound of it then, if we start to have these conversations, if we start to make some changes, not only do we positively impact the lives of women in their 40s, 50s, 60s. I mean, we talk about the fastest growing demographic of homeless people are women over 55, but also the wisdom and the stability and the the empathy and caring and skills that we can bring to a workforce that potentially young people need. They need that energy in a workplace. So it feels like it's win-win. So if we're talking about then the workplace and we want it to be supportive and we want to 
I mean, we want to keep the women that we've already got. We want to employ women who apply, who are in those demographics. What sort of things can workplaces start to do? Well, the very first thing they can start to do is get educated. And, you know, and that can be rolling out training to their leaders and to their workforce just literally a basic education program on what menopause is and what perimenopause is. You know, it it doesn't have to be complicated and super high level. It can be a really simple program. But a part of that also needs to include if you, you know, how to support women when they are struggling at work. So if if a leader happens to notice that a female employee, perhaps she's a leader herself, but she's part of your team and, and she's usually been, you know, so on the ball and all of a sudden her, maybe she's having some unexplained absences. You know, that's another thing. There's women take time off work, but they don't they're not honest about why they're taking time off work. So unexplained absences, perhaps cognitive function is starting to look a little bit like, whoa, what the hell? Sit down and, you know, I'm not expecting leaders out there to go, honey, are you in menopause? But offer her the opportunity to say, I see you. Something is going on for you right now and I want to be here to help you. How can I help you? Literally asking that question, how can I help you? There's a great story that Mel Kettle told me. Mel is a brilliant educator in the corporate space, actually, on how businesses can be more menopause friendly. And she tells a great story about a woman who was in a team and she was they were all kind of open plan office spaces. She was really struggling with hot flushes, really struggling. And her lead in recognized this. It was a male. She had a man who was leading her team. And he said to her one day after everyone had left, like, you know, are you okay? I've noticed that, you know, you you can kind of seem a bit off your game. And she was really open and said, look, I'm really struggling with hot flushes right now. And he said, well, God, you know, what can I do? Do you want to bring a fan in and put on your your desk? And she was like, actually, no, I don't because I don't want to draw attention to the fact that that's what's going on for me. And so, Anyway, she, you know, she went away, he went away. She came in the next morning and he had put a fan on every team member's desk. Oh! Including his own. I love it. And I was blown away by that story because I was like, the empathy is just off the Richter scale. I wish every leader could have that level of empathy. But the difference that that would have made to that woman's life and ability to do her job and show up at work every day is just huge. So it can be really simple things like, do you need a fan at your desk? Do you need to move your desk so you're underneath the air conditioning duct? You know, do you want to step down from your kind of a public speaking role right now because you're struggling a little bit with memory and word loss and feeling embarrassed because that's happening to you in front of the team? You know, let me take over that role for you for a few weeks while you sort out what's going on. There are some really simple ways that we can support women. Yeah. And I think there's two interesting things that you touched on there is when we talk about training in the workplace especially it's not just for the women oh gosh no no but also one of the things that I think sometimes people forget is people who potentially don't outwardly present as a woman may actually also be experiencing menopause there that this actually may be happening for people so educating everybody, even if there are men squirming in their seats, everybody learning about this and everybody being on the same playing field is really important. And, you know, that is then also going to carry through into what happens at home. So if you're a man sitting in one of those education sessions and chances are you're married 
probably like most likely to a woman, a woman, and you're going, oh, hang on a sec, geez, this is all ringing a bit of a bell. I wonder if this is what's going on for my wife. You know, they're going to take that empathy and understanding home and that ability to have a conversation and say, hey, I did this workshop today and it made me think of you. Is this what is going on for you? Because there's a lot of women that don't talk to their partners either about what's going on. Yeah. The other thing, uh, when we talked about before perimenopause being sort of five to 10 years up until the date, which is 12 months past your last period, and then we've got postmenopause, all of these things, like how long are we talking? Because you said a few weeks and we've talked a few years, like when we're sort of talking hot flushes, memory loss, like is that it for life? Is it I'm going to be forgetting my words and forgetting why? I mean, I already forget why I walked into a room. (laughs) (laughs) But is this like, is this my lot till I'm 80? No, it's not. And that's the other piece of the education that's really important. First and foremost, every woman's experience of perimenopause and menopause and postmenopause will be different, a little bit like every woman's pregnancy is different to the woman sitting next to her. You know, we really have to remember that every single woman will experience something different and she will manage it differently as well as that to the person next to her. But it's not a blanket statement because there are some women that really have debilitating symptoms and they have those symptoms for a very long time. So not all women will be short-term, get some treatment, and then be back on the, on plain sailing. But for the average woman that recognises the symptoms for what they are, goes and seeks some help, whether that be making lifestyle changes or taking some therapy, whether that is natural therapy or the more MHT path, once you get those things sorted, those symptoms that you were struggling with can kind of disappear. And, you know, and then once you're postmenopausal, again, some women do struggle for a while afterwards. But for other women, it can literally just be like somebody flicked the switch and suddenly everything's okay again. So it's a little bit like asking how long is a piece of string. It will be different for every woman. Yeah. And ultimately, when it comes to empathy, what we're talking about is listening to that person understanding what's going on for them and then responding in a way that makes them feel heard, valued, visible, safe, individual and acknowledging that, not judging people and going, oh, well, like it's just this or it's just that or you should just go on like HRT or you should just or like that's not it. It's understanding that everybody goes through this very individually And it can be, I would think, quite lonely for a lot of people who haven't had the education, who don't have the networks, who don't have that support and understanding around them, who just feel judged and excluded and hot (laughs) at the same time. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, when that is it comes back to what we were talking about, why it's important to talk about this, because, you know, for so many areas of our life, we can go and talk to our mums or we can go and talk to our aunts or we can go and talk to our sisters or our girlfriends. But menopause has historically been one of those things that the generations that came before us just don't talk about. They just don't. And often the comments that I hear from women are, well, I asked my mum, but she just, she goes, oh, I don't remember. Don't remember. It was a long time ago. Don't remember. Or it'll be like, oh, we don't talk about that. 
Yeah, because there's a shame to it and there's a... There was, yeah, there's a stigma. There's definitely a shame. And I get really curious about why there was so much shame attached to it and why it became such a taboo topic when it's just as natural as a woman or a young girl getting her first period. Like, you know, we educate, we prepare our girls for their periods. We support them through their periods. We have education in schools. But the bookend to that is menopause. It's you know, and we just, we're just not there. And it's a shame. Well, one of the things that I wanted to show you is, and I know, I'm sure you've seen this, but Empathy First, we're starting the Empathy Store, which is empathy cards and very carefully selected empathy cards. And one of the ones that I have chosen to sell in the shop is a menopause card. And it's so cool. So on the front, it says menopause, I have some questions. And obviously, it's designed from one lady experiencing peri or postmenopause to another lady experiencing peri or postmenopause. It says, I have some questions. And all over it just says WTF with a question mark. Like, what, <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah, that pretty much sums it up. <laughs> Basically. But the questions are, perimenopause, am I in it? I think I'm in it. Why am I crying about a celebrity's dog? What does sleeping feel like? I forget. Is there such a thing as cute, sweat-wicking sheets? Five to ten years, that seems vague. So, like, what's up with this vast void of information? And down the bottom it says, at least we get to what the fuck together. Text me at 4 a.m. I'll be up. Uh-huh. So to send that to somebody. And actually on the back there's a little bit of information about perimenopause and menopause. and Brilliant. But it's from a beautiful designer at Em and Friends, and we're going to be stocking it in the Empathy Store. So another way to actually reach out to another woman without calling her going, hi, I heard you're in menopause. (laughs) How's yours? Just a way to actually connect in an easy, fun, lighthearted, supportive way to just go, let's just what the fuck together because, yeah. Yeah. I think that's fantastic. Well done. I love it so much. There's another one. <laughs> there's another card that says something about the the new normal. Like there is no normal to go back to. This is the new normal, but I'm here with you and I'm bringing snacks. <laughs> yeah. And chocolate. chocolate. Cho- yeah. yeah. We all need chocolate. Chocolate, wine, a shoulder. Like. Yes. Yeah. A hug. A yeah. hug. Mm-hmm. Just a, an outlet for whatever this is. Yeah. And a fan. Yeah, and a fan. <laughs> a nice pack and <laughs> we'll do we'll do the menopause care pack to go with it. But yeah, so even things like that to go, look, I see you. There is actually a card that says I see you. Not in a creepy hanging out in a tree outside your window kind of way. <laughs> But in a, I know you're going through some stuff and I'm here for you kind of way. Not in a, I see you kicking the sheets on and off all night long through your window kind of way. (laughs) Not in a peeping Tom kind of way, but oh, I know. When you know, you know, and I'm here and I'm for you. So they're the sorts of cards that, that we're going to be stocking in the shop. So it's going to be good fun. So by the sound of it, this is a conversation that we need to have more of. We need to understand that All people with female anatomy are going to go through this. Everybody is different. There's a perimenopause phase that goes up until 12 months after your last period and then you're in postmenopause. There's lots of different symptoms, lots of different durations, lots of different experiences. But sometimes with the right support and help and understanding, 
they can be gone through. They can be worked through. They can be short-lived. They can be managed. And we need to understand the value that women, especially in this age, this sort of 35 to 60 age, really can bring to a relationship, an organization, a workplace in terms of our energy and our wisdom and our enthusiasm. And yeah, there are some hurdles along the way. Yep, we might forget why we walked into a room, but... <laughs> and and often look for our phone while we're holding it in our hand. <laughs> I've looked for my phone while I'm talking on my phone. I go, hang on, hang on, I'm just leaving the house. I need to find my phone. She says, you're talking on... Yeah, so there's that. But by the sound of it, we can really make this a positive, really a positive thing and not something to be feared and swept under the rug and shamed and tabooed. So... My lovely Sonia, what are you doing in this space? So apart from speaking on the lovely podcast, what sort of things do you do in this space to really make this change, like change this culture? Yeah, cool. Thank you for asking. I do actually want to make one quick point just off the back of everything that you've just said, because I failed to kind of highlight this a little bit more when we were talking. And that is that there are also different types of menopause. So I touched briefly on the fact that I experienced medically induced menopause. There is a natural menopause, which is what most of the population will experience. And that's what we've talked about today. But there is also surgically induced medically induced and early menopause. And they are all experienced very differently by the women that go through them. So it's interesting. I got communication once from a lady who said to me, well, my friend didn't have menopause because she had a hysterectomy. And I was like, honey, your friend did have menopause. She had surgically induced menopause and it was actually worse for her. And to say she didn't experience menopause is really dismissing her experience. And, you know, we need to educate around that as well, because for the women that do experience, as I said, medically induced or surgically induced menopause, it is very fast. It is very quick and it is absolutely brutal. And those women need just as much support and education. And then there's early menopause, which is a menopause that happens before the age of 40. And that, again, is something that women really needed to be supported around. Yeah, and educated about as well. Yeah. That's definitely an important piece of the puzzle. These assumptions that we have that it's just something. But like you said, you had a medically induced. Yeah, so mine was brought on by chemo. Yeah. Yeah, right. So yeah, that's another really important piece of the puzzle. It does sound like we could talk for hours and go down a whole lot of rabbit holes <laughs> about could. this. But let me answer your actual question. <laughs> Which was, what am I doing in this space? So first and foremost, I have my own podcast, which is called Dear Menopause, like you're writing a letter to her. Sometimes my Kiwi accent trips people up there. And that is Drops Weekly episodes. They're all interview-based episodes with either women sharing their stories and experiences or with industry leaders, professors, doctors, talking about, you know, really providing that education piece from really highly reputable and qualified sources. So that's my podcast. I do a lot of speaking. Like I said, I'm speaking at a corporate event in a couple of weeks and I hold workshops and retreats and I also own a gym <laughs> in my spare time. <laughs> I own a gym here in Sydney and I train exclusively women 40 plus and you know, specialize in really helping women get back in touch with their fitness and strength in their perimenopausal and menopausal years. Yeah. And you've got events coming up around the country, don't you? 
I do. I do um, everything's all kind of still in planning stage, but there's information on my website about all of those. But yeah, there'll be a little bit of a roadshow happening in 2023, which is exciting. That's very cool. Well, when you come to Brisbane, I'm going to give you a hug in person. Yay! That's the only reason I'm actually going out on the road is literally so I can hug everyone that I have spoken to over Zoom for the last two years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh my God, you exist from the neck down. Exactly. So what is your website? How do people find you? So my website is Stella Women. So that's S-T-E-L-L-A-R-W-O-M-E-N.com.au. I'm sure you'll link everything through in show notes and things. And the podcast is dearmenopause.au. Awesome. Sonia, my lovely, thank you so much for today. It has actually been enlightening for me, even as a 45-year-old woman who I thought I knew some stuff. Now I know more stuff. My goal has been achieved. But there's so much that is important to talk about in this space, and it has such huge implications, not only for us, for our future, for the workplace, for our kids, for our relationships. Thank you so much. And keep doing the work that you're doing. You're doing some amazing work in this space. Thank so you. Thank you and for thank you for having time. me on so that I could share my story with um, you know, your audience as well and, and hopefully educate and inform a few more people out there. Absolutely. Well, my podcast producer, Gil, he is He's learned some stuff today. He, he is now going home to share everything that he's learned. He is. He literally said that. <laughs> he's been taking notes. Was he taking notes in the background? Over in the corner. <laughs> he's been taking notes. All right, my lovely. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. My name's Leanne Butterworth, founder of Empathy First. Empathy First is a social enterprise, and our goal is to create a world where people feel heard valued, visible, and safe through healthy empathy training. To achieve this, we run in-person empathy training as well as online courses, and we also are starting a shop where you can buy empathy cards to lift and support your friends, family, and colleagues. You might also like to watch my TEDx talk, How Healthy Empathy Can Save Lives, Including Yours. You can find it all at empathyfirst.com.au. (laughs) 